This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Another edition of the Swarmcast, David Eichholt, Sean Bach for HawkeyeInsider.com, part of the 24-7 Sports Network here to break down Iowa-Purdue. Sean, we broke down our reaction to the Iowa-Northwestern game earlier this week. Obviously, Iowa faces a very tall task in the Purdue Boilermakers, who are fresh off their bye week. Jeff Brom just somehow finds a way to see things differently than against Iowa than most coaches, and they've had a lot of success through the air against this team obviously charlie jones has dominated the headlines throughout the week with his success but uh this is a i want to say a critical game for iowa sean but it's gonna be a very interesting one for a variety of reasons including bad weather could indicate how both teams play i think the under now is down to about 39 and for a purdue game that's that's pretty low even you know playing an offense like iowa's but sean let's dive right into this one i i think it's Again, it's a very intriguing game on a lot of levels. This Iowa defense seems very fired up. And, you know, I've gone on the record and said this is going to be a huge game for Phil Parker. I don't think there's anybody that's taking this game more personally than Phil. Like, take aside the Charlie Jones aspect for a second. Phil wants these guys. Phil wants these guys. Yeah, definitely. Um, It's kind of a weird situation, too, because I know Iowa – this, this seems to be a game that could favor them if the wind um, is picks up the way it, it, want, it should or it could. But I think you also have to keep in mind, too, Purdue hasn't really been overly impressive with their past defense in the last couple of weeks. I believe they allowed big games against Wisconsin and um, Nebraska. And the Wisconsin game, like Graham Mertz had one of the most efficient and best games that he has had during his career. Now I know that Mertz has been better this year than he has been in previous years, but Purdue's pretty depleted in the secondary at this point. I believe Corey Trice, their best cornerback, is questionable for this game, and there are a couple others, too. I know one of their guys on the back end and the safeties is questionable as well. So this could be a game, too. Like, you look at um, the Northwestern game last week. Like, Iowa felt like it could throw the football pretty effectively against Northwestern, and it did. And it was nice weather conditions, nice, you know, atmosphere for everything. But this week, I mean, I think the winds are projected to be 20 to 30 miles per hour with wind gusts potentially being around 40 degree or 40 miles per hour. And the, it's supposed to rain for at least most of the morning. So that could be that could be a real damper on both teams and their strategy. Um, in Iowa's case, too, I mean, you run the foot, you can run the football pretty well against Purdue. I know Purdue has had 
they've been okay against the run this year, I believe, but they're without one of their top edge rushers. They have two guys on the edge that could be pretty good too, but you know, they're really not overly, you know, great against the run. And with the way that Iowa's offensive line looked last week, and it seems like the rotation is starting to figure itself out too, then that could really put them in good shape to um, potentially really have another offensive uh, performance where you could be like, okay, there's reason to feel optimistic. I don't want to say offensive outbreak or offensive, you know, domination, but Mm -hmm. I think it could be a game where you're like, okay, like this is the Iowa that we're used to with moving the ball effectively and moving the chains when you need to. I think a couple interesting things for me, Sean, that stick out. One, Aiden O'Connell's turned the ball over a lot more than he has in his past, you know, just on a more consistent basis. I think he's had turnover and each of his last five games has eight picks on the year, which matches total last year. And it's very interesting to me that they are not deep at wide receiver, Sean. Like they, they may be able to push the ball downfield, but Charlie Jones is far and away number one receiver. 72 catches, 840 yards, about 12 yards catch, nine touchdowns. Payne Durham, who I think right now is probably the First team, all Big Ten. Sam Laporta just doesn't have the the touchdown numbers that he's going to need to get to garner those votes. Thirty nine catches, three hundred seventy six yards, four touchdowns. But then it goes down to T.J. Sheffield, who has twenty five catches for two seventy five and three touchdowns. So, yes, David Bell has success against Iowa, but they also had a variety of other options at wide receiver this year. It's very Charlie Jones heavy. Not really a big surprise. When you think about the behind the scenes look at A. O'Connell, Charlie Jones go way back. They used to play what Pop Warner football together. But they're going to be, I mean, this is not going to surprise me, Sean. If Charlie Jones gets 15 to 18, maybe even 20 targets in this game because Purdue is still going to be Purdue. They're still going to throw the football. And it's going to be a very interesting matchup when, when the Iowa defensive backs have to go up against Charlie. But another thing that really sticks out to me is, this Purdue team is actually running the football more effectively than than previous Purdue teams. I mean, look at Devin Mockaby has 561 yards on the year and six touchdowns. I know Purdue's still going to throw 45, 50 times, but they do have a little bit of a safer and more reliable running game than they have in previous years. And I know it really stuck out to me talking to Kayvon Merriweather about this uh, Purdue passing attack that I really never thought of is, Sean, they do A and O'Connell in this Purdue offense do such a great job. Now they may have explosive plays, but they get the ball out very quickly. And I think that's gonna be very interesting to see how many blitzes is Phil Parker gonna draw up? Is Iowa gonna rush three? Are they gonna rush five? Are they gonna rush four? I, I think it's definitely gonna be a very interesting look. And I'm curious what Purdue does, especially since Iowa's fresh off a game where seven different players had at least one sack. And that's something you don't see very often. Yeah, this uh, with Jones, too, I mean, I think you have to keep in mind that there's potential for him to be a little bit banked up. I believe Jeff Brom said that he missed practice for a couple of days later, like didn't practice. He was in a boot or something. So and that's been one of the big question marks. I think Mick Walker, who is one of the new guys at our Purdue site, wrote that one of the big concerns facing this Purdue team is who else could step up at the wide receiver position besides Charlie Jones. And. You mentioned all the guys there, but it's really been kind of a one-trick pony this year, and that's that's a concern, especially when you face a team like – I mean, I know David Bell. Um, it's very uh, it's a very touchy subject, and I think you can get away with, you know, having him as your main wide receiver and the only guy 
uh, and I mean, it's shown in the past too, but yeah. yeah, it really just hasn't been, you know, you look at Charlie Jones, I think he's like sixth in the nation in almost every category. I know he's first in the big 10 yards, second in touchdowns, first in receptions by like maybe 10 or 15 receptions. And that's a good thing. Like if you're Purdue, like you have him, that's, that's good. But I think really, if you look at it too, like if you have that much, that big a difference, yes, you can be, you can have all the talent in the world, but who else do you fully trust Yeah, in that? I mean, you got to stop him. There's no doubt about it. You got to stop him. If you're Iowa, if I recall correctly, wasn't one of their top produced top receivers out last year too, or was that something before the season? I I think he was, there was somebody out last year as well. And remember something that we know we talked to Kirk Ferentz, not to totally shift Sean, but remember Charlie would probably still be a Hawkeye if that first Purdue wide receiver didn't get academic ruled academically ineligible because when we listened to Kirk this week, he was more upset about the timing of the transfer, not the transfer itself. And remember the Purdue thing was interesting because I can't remember his name, but their number one receiver going into the season was ruled academically ineligible. And then I think what, six days later, Charlie Jones entered the portal and it was fairly obvious where he was going, even though Notre Dame and a couple other programs were kicking the tires. So it, yeah, it, it essentially there there was another receiver that was I think he maybe played but then got hurt. I, I would need to double check on that. But yeah. Yeah, so I was just saying that from a perspective of okay, like we saw this last year. Now I think there's a bigger drop off now from the receivers at the top or from Charlie to, you know, the receivers below, but I think I was reading something before or someone was mentioning something I think it was Kayvon Merriweather was saying that what Purdue has done, I mean, their bases are just – their base offense, they do different things that are just very unique to what Iowa is used to. And that's kind of thrown them off in the past and really given them, you know, an unclear sight of what Purdue could do. I mean, because they know the pass is coming, but I'm interested to see how that is countered this time around with Purdue's emergence at the running back position. Because, I mean, that Devin Mockaby story, I think King Daru went out with an injury yep. earlier in the year. I think he's played in like four or six games or something along those lines. And then Mockaby has had, I think it's three three or four, or three of the last four games that he's played in. It's either two of the three or three of the last four games that he's played in have been over 100 yards rushing. And one of those games was 11 carries for 112 yards. So he's capable of getting a big playoff, but also it's just like having that safety valve because I think Purdue, or I know Purdue has been last in the Big Ten in rushing yards per game for the last three seasons. And they didn't average over 85 rushing yards per game, like in the last three years. So mm-hmm. having someone like Mockaby back there is really important for them. I mean, they've had some games where, Obviously, the result on the scoreboard in the passing game could you could say was uh, a little bit iffy, but it's kind of like the I know against Wisconsin, like I don't think Purdue has beat them since like the two thousands or like the early two thousands, late nineteen nineties or something along those lines. Like Wisconsin seems to have Purdue's number, and Aiden O'Connell manages to throw three interceptions. So, but it's a different matchup in this game, and you gotta. 
you got to be on your toes for it again, even without David Bell and even with Charlie Jones, even if he's not 100%. Purdue, Purdue has found ways to beat you. And you look at the 2017 game, um, Purdue beat it there, and that was a pretty ugly game. Now Purdue had a different makeup, a different team. But, you know, they can beat you in these types of weather conditions even if they want to throw the ball a bunch. So there's a, there's definitely a lot riding on this game. I know Purdue is um, one game out of the Big Ten West lead, and next week they play Illinois. So I don't – I think, you know, considering everything yeah. that's gone on the recruiting show, considering the Charlie Jones transfer, I know Iowa will tell you on the record they're over it. But – Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady. Live only on Netflix. When you have sports mixed with your pop culture, along with humor and celebrity interviews, your earbuds are enjoying the Rich Eisen Show. Dan Orlovsky, are you still a Jaden Daniels is the best quarterback available in the draft guy? I think the three things that make it stand out for me are, number one, I think his ball placement versus man coverage is the best in the draft. Every quarterback in the NFL is accurate. He's got the best on tape. Number two, most transferable stuff to the NFL. And then I think the third thing is pocket peace. Search for the Rich Eisen Show on YouTube or wherever you listen. I think Iowa would love nothing more than to, you know, blow Purdue's chances or at least, yep. you know, really damper them like they could this week. And we knew that on the record they were going to be smart about it, but you know there's animosity behind the scenes. I mean, there there just is. It's it's not something we're pulling out of thin air. I mean, it's been – even going back this summer, there's been reported tensions between the coaching staffs of, of Purdue and, and Iowa. This could be a game where I don't think either team will show mercy if they get a big lead on one another. Purdue will keep throwing the ball if Iowa manages to have some success offensively. They'll continue to do their thing. But, Sean, let's let's dive into the Iowa offense a little bit. It's, I, I can't believe we actually went this long without talking about Iowa's offense, considering what the storylines have been this season. This is a very, I want to say, critical game for the Iowa offense. But at the same time, if the weather conditions are bad, Iowa's fresh off their best offensive performance of the season against Northwestern. I'm curious how Iowa attacks. I think – Brian Ferentz and the Iowa coaching staff and the players did a nice job against Northwestern. Yes, it's Northwestern, but they threw in some different wrinkles. There are a lot more guys going in motion. Iowa established the run. Caleb Johnson, heavy dose of Caleb Johnson, which I think needs to continue to be the trend. Eight different guys caught at least one pass. Seven different guys carried the ball. Those are the things that's going to allow Iowa to have success offensively. And I think a big key as well is, again, we talked a little bit about it in the post game, but moving Connor Colby to left guard and sticking him at guard and just kind of riding the, riding the tail of, of Jack Plum at tackle. And then obviously we'll see Iowa's offensive line will need to take a big jump next year. But I, I'm very curious what, what Iowa is going to do offensively, because as you mentioned, Iowa's going to, they have a chance to push the ball down the field. Petrus has a big arm so I don't think the window will be able to impact him as much as maybe Aiden O'Connell. I think Aiden O'Connell is more accurate, but Petrus has a bigger arm. But with that being said, if Petrus has to throw the ball hard to compensate for the win, can the Iowa receivers hang on the ball? I mean, we've seen Iowa receivers and Sam Laporta have some drop issues this year. So 
is this going to be a game where Iowa tries to run the ball 35, 40 times, or are they going to continue to try to utilize the balance? And I think that's where I'm very intrigued about how Iowa attacks this one. Yeah. And listening to Kirk yesterday too, during the Hawk talk um, with Gary Dolphin, I thought this was probably the most confident that Kirk sounded in his offensive line. Now I think, you know, we need to see it against teams like Minnesota and Wisconsin and, even Purdue in some cases, but I think, you know, the game that Jack Plum had against Northwestern really gave this per, really gave this staff more confidence in the offensive line. I mean, you heard Kirk talk about George Barnett saying that he had the patient of a saint um, earlier this week when it came to, you know, this offensive line group. And you with, I think Colby at guard, I think that makes the most sense right now. And at least for Iowa, who knows, maybe he can move out to tackle at some point later in his career. Um, I still think he's an NFL guy, no doubt. It's just, you got to yeah. realize how young he is. And that's, that's something you get in the rest of the offensive line too. I mean, Kirk's mentioned it, like the injuries with this group have been pretty crazy. Like you just never able to get into a good rhythm with this offensive line group and injuries are a big reason to do with that. So Yes, I mean, when it comes to Purdue as well, I think you got to attack them through the air a little bit. Now the weather conditions are definitely going to be ideal, so that's going to play a big role in it. But if you're if you're Iowa, you you have to run the ball effectively in this game too. There's no doubt about it. You have to beat down the Purdue defense by running the football to start. This is one of those games where, yes, we've talked about Iowa getting something going through the air, but I think this is one of those games where it's going to be even more critical to, you know, get the ball going because that could really tear down this Purdue defense that has been bothered by injuries. I know they're coming off the bye week, but, you know, you just have to establish a run in these types of games. And I don't think Iowa did overly well last year. I know Spencer Peters had four interceptions, but I think a couple of those were just in garbage time, or not necessarily garbage time, but when Iowa was really desperate to come back and needed to do something through the air and Purdue while they're, you know, maybe not the best defensive team in the conference. I, you know, they've been solid in some areas. They have 10 interceptions on the year and that's third in the big 10. So they're going to look to try and cause havoc and try and force turnovers and, you know, really make those opportunities. Maybe sometimes they'll be over aggressive. I'm interested to see if that, if that changes though this week, I wonder if they try and play more conservative and, you know, maybe not try to pick off pass. I mean, obviously you're going to try and pick off passes, but how aggressive are you going to be with jumping passes and in different coverages too? I think something I'm intrigued too, Sean, on, on top of that, as you mentioned, if, if I was going to look to push the ball down the field, but another thing is I, I'm very curious what the health of Iowa is. And the reason why I bring this up is one, Keegan Johnson is not playing at this point. I'm surprised if he plays the rest of the year. Just, I mean, it, it seems like every time Kirk and them are asked about him, it just gets quieter and quieter and more subtle about it. So I don't think he's going to play. Uh, Terry Roberts is still out with an injury, and I'm very intrigued if Roberts is going to look to exercise his COVID year at this point, Sean, because Terry, I thought, was off to a fantastic start to his season. If Iowa gets him back along with, obviously, Cooper at, at corner. Then you have guys behind him, like a TJ Hall, that you can continue to sort of build that momentum. And then, oh, Jamari Harris <laughs> is going to be back next year as well. So Iowa's cornerback depth next year looks like it's going to be deeper if those guys are term. 
But Kirk did say in the press conference, we opened things up. He said nothing really new, but he said a couple guys banged up and then kind of really went super subtle after that. So I, he said, hopefully they'll get rolling by the end of the week. So maybe I'm in a tinfoil hat theory, Sean, but that tells that that's the early indication of there might be somebody out that we're not expecting to be out. That's just covering Iowa five years. That's what, how Kirk kind of settles into those sort of situations. So we'll have to see about that, but Sean, I'm, I'm just going to pose this question at you. I know we've talked a lot about Caleb Johnson. He's got to be the number one back at this point, right? I, I just, I, every time I see him, I get more and more impressed with him. His blocking on blitzes is that of a third year college running back. In my opinion, I've been very impressed with him there. And he just, he's still making a couple freshman mistakes here and there. He's without a doubt has the highest ceiling in this Iowa running back room. I just, I, I don't see how you can argue against with, with anybody else, but really quickly, LaShawn Williams has been a very good complimentary back to Caleb Johnson. I, I really like what LaShawn can bring out of the backfield as well. And he's shown that he's capable of getting those 15, 20 yard rushes and giving Iowa a little bit of a boost. Yeah, and some have been critical of of Gavin Williams, too, and how he's played this year when he's out there. But Liddell Betts made a good point. I mean, I think people don't realize how much injuries can have an effect on not just playing, but also your development and getting those reps that you need. Because if you think about it, yes, Gavin's in his third year, but Gavin was limited last year. And, you know, didn't really have a chance to break out until every Kelly Martin went down. And then obviously in the Citrus Bowl, then, you know, obviously you have spring practice, you have practice in the fall, all that. But I think people really don't realize how much, you know, injuries can have a tear on that, especially when you're a running back, because you're planting your feet, you're running hard, you're fine. You're, you know, you're doing different things. You're moving your feet probably more, if not more than anyone on, I mean, wide receivers and guys going out for passes, I would argue too. But, you know, you're you're the guy taking one of the hardest hits too in the backfield and just consistently. You're the guy probably getting banged up the most. Um, so I don't think people will realize how much that, that has a toll, that takes a toll, especially in, a, especially in D1 football because everyone's pretty athletic. Everyone's pretty fast, especially in the Big Ten. Everyone's physical too. So Liddell made that point of, you know, he he's working his way back, but he's not fully there. And you could see that, you know, he he's smart football player, understands the game and, you know, what he needs to do, but he's just not there physically yet. And that's a big difference between there's a big difference between even being like 80 percent and being 100 percent, unless you're like a superhuman um, like Braylon Allen, maybe. But even him, like, has had his fair share of, you know, lesser performances. But yeah, I mean, I agree with you with with Caleb. Um, I think from a physical standpoint, he's the most impressive, especially when you just like he's not as tall, maybe as you think. But when you like go up to him and get close to him, like the way he's built is just you know probably adds an inch or two with his posture and you know his shoulders and just how physically well he's put together is is really impressive. And the way he runs too. He doesn't seem like he has a ton of acceleration when he gets to that second level. Maybe it's just me or maybe, I don't know, maybe he just has like short steps. But I think from a running perspective, what he's done, I think most of his yards last week were after contact. Yeah. And obviously that that stat, you want it to be a little bit better because maybe that means, you know, your offensive line isn't doing as well. But 
he is able to absorb contact and he's able to fall forward. I, I don't remember many times where he's fallen backwards on his runs. Like he always just seems to fall forward. And that was a big step for Tyler Goodson when he went from his freshman year to his sophomore year. And to see that Johnson already has that, that's that's really critical. I think the thing I've seen from Johnson that I need to continue to see improvement on, he just he needs to learn how to switch switch arms when he's carrying the ball. He's gotten caught in some bad situations, and I don't want to say he's been lucky that the ball hasn't fumbled, but he's not doing everything to minimize the risk of not fumbling. Really quick, Sean, before we get to our predictions, something I, I think it's important to touch on. Uh, you know, Kirk was pressed this week about Purdue, about Charlie, and recruiting specifically, and one quote stuck out to me. It's very basic, and I know – that I know there's no other way for him to answer, but he was asked by, I think it was Scott Dockerman of the athletic, but he said, do you think that this could negatively impact you from a recruiting perspective when it comes to receivers, when they see what Charlie did when he was here versus what he's doing at Purdue and Kirk's answer was, we'll worry about that later. And this is, I thought Kirk should have ended it there, but you get onto the comments and he said, look, it's hard to quantify that stuff. I think, and Kirk just said, I think he's a better receiver and was a better receiver at the end of spring than he was at the start. Like a lot of our players, a lot of players grow and develop over the course of their career. And, you know, my thing is, while that might be true, and the schemes are different, so I don't think it's completely fair. You know what I mean? It's different schemes, different playing styles. Like if Iowa played a Purdue style, Charlie would obviously have a lot more receptions and yards at Iowa, right? But man, you're going to tell me over spring practice that Charlie went from being what he was last year to what he is this year. It's It just tells me that Kirk said, yeah, they are going to worry about that later. But that does tell me that I think he is low-key very, very worried about it. About Charlie or about like – Just the negative recruiting recruiting aspect and recruiting receivers to, to Iowa system after watching what Charlie went from what he was at Iowa to now at Purdue. Yeah, I mean, that's definitely a fair point, but – Every time Kirk brings up the portal, too, I think, yes, he's he's worried about that. And he knows that teams can, you know, have that pitch against Iowa. And that could get guys, you know, to leave on the dime. Not to say that anyone from this year's team is going to leave. But, yeah, that's still, like, something that teams can really do. I mean, it's happened in the recruiting process, too. There's been no no doubt about it. There have been a couple of guys that – you know, where I was missed on recruiting wise, where, you know, teams have been able to say, Hey, do you want to go play in that system? Or like, Hey, you could be really, you know, it could be really beneficial here as opposed to there. Like that has happened in the recruiting process. There's no doubt about it. So yeah, I mean, I would say Kirk's definitely worried about it because it's, it's a tool that people can use. Um, So yeah, I'll just leave it at that. It'll be interesting, too, and I know we've talked about it, we'll continue to talk about it, but I think entering this offseason, Iowa has to get two receivers in the portal. I think minimum one. Like, if they don't get a receiver in the portal, Sean, I think there's going to be a big, big red flag in that room. But I also want to give Kirk the benefit of the doubt that he can change some things offensively to make the receivers more involved, and obviously we'll see what happens, you know, over the course of the offseason the remaining weeks. So as we wrap this up, Sean, uh, give me your prediction for Iowa Purdue. I'm still trying to come up with mine, uh, but maybe you'll sway me one way or the other. I'm going to say Iowa 23, Purdue 13, but you could make a case for I saw that the uh the over under went down to like went down one and a half on some sites. I think it's at like 21 and a, or it's at like 41 and right now it's at 42 and a half. So 
I mean, to talk about earlier, I think, you know, injuries could maybe play a role in that too. You know, before the season, I said that it was a lock that Iowa would beat Purdue. And I do think it's possible that Charlie and Aiden O'Connell have a huge game against Iowa. I'm not saying that. I was thinking about picking Purdue, but given the weather forecast, I think I'm going to give Iowa the slight edge. It might be against the benefit of the doubt. I'm going to go 20 to 17. Iowa just finds a way to get, get the win. And it's, it's a huge win. I want to say, I want to say for the program, but just to kind of get Purdue off Iowa's back of after the success that they've had, I just think that with the weather conditions being so bad, Sean, I can see Iowa secondary stepping up. I think they can pick off Aiden O'Connell a couple times. I think another thing that'll be interesting is I don't think Tory Taylor is going to allow Charlie Jones a shot at returning any punts in this game. I think that's going to be, an, you know, maybe an underrated storyline. And I think Caleb Johnson will have one of his biggest games of his young career. I just, I think Iowa's offensive lines can at least do enough to provide Caleb a couple opportunities to don't say a break, but to give some explosive runs, 20 yard, 15, 20 yards, give Iowa a little bit of momentum boost. So Maybe again, maybe against my better judgment, but I got Iowa 20 to 17. Uh, Sean, you mentioned earlier you have our uh, Know the Foe preview out with Mick Walker of our Purdue 24 7 sports site. So be sure to stay tuned for that. We're going to have our full preview tomorrow. And Sean and I are going to be recording a basketball preview podcast tomorrow on Friday as well. So that'll be up. Stay tuned to Hawkeye Insider and 24 7 Sports for that. Be sure to follow us on Twitter. At David Eichel, at SBOC247, and at Hawkeyes on 24-7. And we will be back tomorrow for our complete Iowa basketball preview. Till then, take care. Talk soon. The wait is over. The Shy returns with new episodes on Paramount+. Plus. What brings you to the Shy? Opportunity. Everybody get down! Walk right up to the side. A new rain is coming to the south side. Never should have sent a boy to do a woman's job. The Shy. New episodes May 10th. Visit ParamountPlus.com slash The Shy to get a 50% discount off the Paramount Plus with Showtime annual plan. Offer ends July 14th. Subscription auto renews. Restrictions apply.